This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. So, the election has come to an end. That happened last night. You probably paid some attention to it. Hopefully you took part in it. Went to your ballot box. Gave over your your ballot. They made sure to tear off the little thing. Then in it stuffs. Counted it gets. And we have a liberal minority. At any point, I find myself, I don't, I don't know whether this is an, maybe a, an illness, a, a warp that I have in my brain, not sure. At any point, were you also cheering last night for maybe if you detached yourself from the fact that, hey, this actually affects our country and kind of our well-being going forward. At any point last night, were you just kind of cheering for the fact that once we saw that it was going to be a liberal minority government, or at least all the projections had that and they ended up being correct, were you looking at seeing how much of a minority it would be? What if the liberals couldn't go to the NDP and say, hey, come on over here? What if they had to go to the Bloc Québécois? What if they had to do that and say, um, hi, uh, what what would you like? Because we need the seats that you won in order to be able to form a government. So, uh, would name it. Just like, we'll just we'll just wait. We'll wait over here, and you just say whatever it is you want. Just go. All right. Just name it. What if that had to happen? You'd get. We want our freedom, and then you'd get a very interesting scenario. Was any part of you cheering for something like that? Uh, just a little part of me was. Not so much, because after the fact, you would think, no, this is horrible, this is terrible, this is not good for the country. No, but just just a little bit, don't you think? We're going to talk with a number of people. We're going to go behind the scenes of a minority government. That's something that I think we need to focus in on. And we'll talk with someone who has been in this situation, and we'll talk about how it has to work. And maybe the idea of friendship is kind of way out there when it comes to politics. No friends in politics. That doesn't happen. But yes, it does. It actually does happen. And it needs to happen now. And it's almost like, hey, what can we do? What What do you need? What can we get you so that you can help us to get what we want? There's all this little partnership stuff that goes on until, of course, somebody does something that somebody hates and then the government falls apart and then we're back at the polls. So get ready because we'll go back to the polls fairly soon probably. 18 months max. Usually that's how long minority governments last, right? So we'll go behind the scenes of a minority government, because I think this is a really interesting thing to focus in on. All right, let's turn our attention west of London, Ontario. Let's turn our attention west of Ontario, period, because there's a very interesting word that has been used. And you may have heard it a little bit, not so much around here, but that word is Wexit. Joining us right now is a man that you can hear each and every day on 980 CFPL, Mr. Charles Adler. Mr. Adler, how are things? Mr. Stubbs. Things are good? Never better. Have you slept since, uh, I don't know, yesterday morning at about 5 a.m.? No, we don't. Uh, we don't We don't believe in sleep. Uh, I'm in the business capital of Canada right now. I'm in, I'm in Toronto. 
and we're too busy doing business to sleep. Well, soon, soon, I, I promise you, we'll allow you to get some rest. You've done a phenomenal job. Let's talk a little bit about what is happening out west. When the word Wexit comes up out there, does it ring louder than maybe it does here? Wexit doesn't work. It, it doesn't. It doesn't work on several levels. Uh, you know, I'm from uh, Quebec. I was raised in, in Quebec originally. And I spent most of my adult life in, in in Western Canada and Ontario, but I, you know, I, I can't I can't have a you know difficult time uh, remembering what it was like in in Quebec when there was separatism. And let me just uh, focus on on just one aspect of of what separatist talk does, because the talk goes on for years before there are referenda and, and other processes. So the, the the talk, the talk, the talk, the talk drives real estate values into the dirt. Because without uh, getting into a big economic seminar here, uh, er anything that you own, anything that you own uh, is devalued when worldwide investors think that your organization or your country is unstable and when it's not predictable and it's not reliable and all those interesting things that that, that bankers like to talk about. So separatism depreciated uh, my parents' home. And my uncles and my aunts and my neighbors and my friends, separatism was really, really bad news bears for our economy and bad news for our savings, for people's retirement. It was just bad news all around. The best thing that ever happened to Quebec was giving up the ridiculous idea of separatism. Alberta's got an economic issue right now. That economic issue would be about a thousand times worse if this so-called Wexit actually goes mainstream. Now, is there a chance for this to go mainstream, or is this a couple of people who are able to get the headlines going and people are kind of looking going, oh, yeah, that's a neat word. That's like Brexit in, in Britain. That's, that's kind of neat, but Wexit, wow. Is it that kind of thing, or is there some substance? Alberta, the, the chance of Alberta separating are about as high as Maxime Bernier becoming prime minister. <laughs> We should keep in mind he didn't win his his own riding last night, and that's a good thing. And it's it's a good thing if people take a look at uh, what uh, his party did across the country, and then maybe maybe give their heads a shake every time they think that uh, Twitter trolls represent the country. Because honest to God, there are way too many people inside our our political environments, all of them, uh, who are on Twitter all day and all night and are absolutely convinced that uh, what they read there is highly representative of Canada. It's not. We're talking with Charles Adler, who you can hear 10 to 1 on 980 CFPL weeknights. Uh, Charles, one more thing, and that is maybe a, a thought on Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives and, and what you see going forward. Yeah, nothing personal, Mr. Scheer, but, uh, you know, uh, we've got to make a, a change at quarterback. And uh, the Conservatives have to make a change, and uh, the, the, the sooner they make it, uh, the better. Um, it was interesting to me that Andrew Shear was quoting John Diefenbaker last night because if it was a progressive conservative John Diefenbaker, uh, they would have won an enormous majority last night. And uh, they are a progressive conservative adult away from getting a majority. Ju Justin Trudeau is extremely weak. Stephen Harper rolled up majorities because he was serving at the pleasure of uh, liberal political malfeasance. They were serving up Stefan Dion and, and, and Michael Ignatieff and Stephen Harper's conservatives were able to, to beat those guys like a drum. Well, Andrew Scheer is the Stefan Dion for, for Justin Trudeau. 
And he'll be the Michael Ignatia for Justin Trudeau the next time Andrew Scheer wants to face Justin Trudeau. And so that's just something that the Conservative Party has got to face up to. They need a mainstream, progressive, conservative, national, grown-up leader. I don't care what province they come from. I don't care what side of the tracks they come from. Um, I don't care about a lot of things. But I do care that the issues that Andrew Scheer has a tough time dealing with are issues that a national progressive conservative leader would hit right out of the park. Charles, thank you so much for your thoughts today. You bet. That is Charles Adler. You can hear him between 10 and 1 on 980 CSPL. Right now, we are able to look back over the campaign and get some really interesting perspective from London Fanshawe Green Party candidate Tom Cull. Tom, thanks so much for taking some time out for us. Hey, Mike. Thanks. Uh, great to talk to you. Let's look back over the campaign. Is this something that you look back at now and lose sleep over and think, well, what if we'd done this? What if we'd done this? How do you come through it? <laughs> there hasn't been a lot of sleep yet, so I'm looking forward to that part of it. But, uh, you know, and it just happened, so I'm still digesting, but... You know, we started this uh, when there was still snow on the ground, and uh, we built a riding association. We didn't have an electoral district association for the Green Party in the riding. We had to build that from scratch so that we could have a campaign ma- uh, machine. And then we started our fundraising, and we ran a great principled campaign. We got our ideas out there. You know, we pushed the agenda. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really proud of the team. How close would what you're doing right now, even though the Green Party has been in existence for a long time, but like you say, you're still developing things in certain places across the country. How much of this is like a startup company? Yeah, you know, uh, I, uh, this is my first time running. Um, and so I, this is a, a huge learning curve for me. It's all brand new to me. And, uh, one of the thing, one of my takeaways is that, um, you know, the other three big parties, um, you know, have quite big m- machines and they have a lot of, uh, funding behind them. And, uh, that's the next step for the Green Party. Um, you know, if we want to compete, we are competing now on national stage. You know, we have three, uh, we have three seats, to, uh, the, this morning waking up. So that's good news. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, uh, in London Fanshawe, I got the highest number of green votes ever in the riding. Uh, we almost doubled. I think we're at 5%. Um, but, of course, you know, 5% uh, isn't, uh, you know, we can't be happy with that. We have to push for more. But at the same time, you just highlighted a couple of things where if we're to compare things to maybe a startup company, if you make some really good French fries and you're trying to take on the biggest French fry lords in the world, if you see your sales rise a little bit, you think, okay, we're on on the right track here. Do you feel that as a party when you wake up and you see that there have been gains by the Greens? Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, At the same time, you know, I got into this because I really believe – um, in the platform, and particularly, uh, you know, I'm an environmentalist. Uh, that's what I've been doing in the city besides my, my work as, as a teacher uh, at Western. And so um, I like the fact that we pushed the, that agenda and the other parties, uh, you know, who were not talking about uh, climate change, climate crisis, started to change, uh, started talking about it, started, um, you know, um, making stronger policies around it. So, you know, uh, Greens are not interested so much in the power as they are in the change. Um, and I think that that's something that we can be proud of. Um, 
uh, across the country and in the riding here is that, you know, we made sure that every time we sat down at the table and had debates that we were talking about, um, you know, uh, these, these environmental issues and the social issues and social justice issues and economic transformation. And I think there's a lot of worth in that. We're talking with Tom Cull. London Fanshawe candidate for the Green Party. Okay, Tom, let's talk also about signs, because you mentioned you yeah. are environmentalist as well, and you're someone who decided to do something different with your election signs. Let's rewind time. Explain to us what it is that you did. Yeah, well, we decided not to use um, the um, single, uh, the, the plastic lawn signs, the individual plastic lawn signs. You can't recycle them. Uh, they're eventually just going to uh, sit in a landfill uh, for a thousand years. Uh, and so we, that just did not align with uh, what we wanted to do. And, and uh, you know, with, the, with, uh, with our, it, what didn't align with our ethos. So we um, decided to make our own signs and we um, silk screened, uh, we made them uh, with silk screening and uh, we pasted them onto uh, cardboard and uh, they looked rustic and they looked DIY. That was the intent. And, um, you know, uh, people proudly put them on their lawns and now those will, uh, you know, degrade and return to the environment. Um, and so we're pretty proud of that. And that story was picked. I got in, I got emails from the Green Party in California who were asking about how we went about doing that. That went across the country. So, you know, those are the kind of imaginative ideas that we need in, uh, in these times of crises, uh, where idea, you know, where, um, things haven't been working, right? So we need new ideas. Uh, to address uh, pressing problems. And so I'm pretty proud of that. And that came out of, uh, that was not my idea. It was uh, Julia Beltrano. She was on my team and she came up with that idea. We went with it. We used a local artist named uh, Angie Quick and she helped us with the process. So that was a, that was a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. And uh, I think there's great value in, um, you know, uh, exercising your principles. Now, one of the things that we do have in southwestern Ontario is some maybe unsettling weather, and California can call all they want in the nice, bright sunshine. They shouldn't have an issue. How did they hold up in amongst a, a little bit of rain every once in a while that we've had this fall? They held up fine. They, they held up fine, and we had to go back and uh, fix a couple of them. And, uh, you know, if, if, we, if we do this again, uh, um, we'll have to think about um, scale, like how, how to make enough um, uh, and, and some other questions around that. But I think that, um, uh, yeah, no, they held up. Good, good. Well, how about you? Did you hold up enough to keep, the, to keep <laughs> well, everything going? That's the real question. And, um, yeah, I mean, I gosh, did I ever uh, develop respect for people who have done this in the past? And I, I wasn't able to. I, I was working still full time. I'm still teaching three courses at Western, so it's been a busy time. Um, and you know, uh, uh, I'm just really looking forward to uh, kind of life getting back to, to normal, spending some time with my family. And, and, uh, you know, thinking about what's next, there's a lot to digest. Um, and, uh, you know, but if I'm left with one kind of overall feeling, it's, it's a feeling of, uh, of gratitude. Well, I love the line that you used, not concerned about the power, concerned about the change. And I think we all need a little bit more of that in our lives. Tom, thanks so much for joining us and allowing us to follow you through the campaign. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. Take care. That's Tom Cole, Green Party candidate. In London Fanshawe. So a different type of sign that will biodegrade. And that's a question that everybody asks. Signs become that big issue where do we need these things? Should there be a limit?
Well, you need to have support shown. We need, unfortunately, we don't like to say it, but we need the name recognition to get you even doing the research, to get any of us doing the research. So that's one of those things where election signs are very useful. Interesting to see what Tom Cole has done. We're joined now by London Mayor Ed Holder. Mayor Holder, like the rest of us, did you get your election fill last night? Oh, I think anyone that uh, that pays attention to politics certainly got their fill and more uh, with the uh, with uh, the results of last night's election. These are always important times, uh, uh, certainly for our city, and uh, and I thought that the result uh, was a very interesting one. What did you find most interesting about it? Well, firstly, I, I look at the incumbents uh, in our area who were reelected and. Uh, Peter Fragascados, Kate Young, Karen Vecchio, and effectively uh, Lindsay Matheson, uh, on the, uh, certainly on the strength in part of, uh, of uh, a strong uh, constituency member of parliament. So it feels like we've got four M- MPs returned when in fact it's uh, properly, it's three speaking. Uh, the good thing for London is that these, that these representatives know our city well, and I've had a strong uh, positive working relationship with them. Uh, and I know Lindsay Matheson, and uh, I'm confident we'll have that same relationship as well. And that's something that, that almost ha- has to be relieving for a lot of people in, say, the position of a mayor around the city to have existing relationships. How rare do you think this is that you would come in and the four incumbents, essentially, I mean, like you say, Irene Matheson is now Lindsay Matheson, but how rare is it, do you think, that, that we find something like that? Well, I think the uh, the last mayor would have found in the prior election where we had uh, uh, conservatives all over the place, and frankly, me being one of them, uh, were gone after the 2015 election, and uh, and that meant that the council of the day had to deal with a new team that was also of of MPs who were also learning more about the uh, city's uh, needs and uh, understanding what uh, our requirements are, and 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 vice versa. So. Uh, I think the advantage we have as a council is that these are known players, uh, people we respect, and I look forward to working with them. London Mayor Ed Holder joining us on London Live. Is this the kind of thing where now you walk into a meeting and instead of uh, people figuring out how to roll up their sleeves, the sleeves are already rolled up? Well, there might be uh, part of that, uh, Mike. I would uh, I would add to it, though, that... Uh, that, look, I've worked in, in, as a member of parliament, I've worked in minority and I've worked in majority government. And minority government can certainly work, and that's the will of the people. And, uh, and, and from our standpoint, we're quite prepared to do that. When you look at maybe something that would change between minority and, and majority government from a municipal perspective, is there any difference or is it basically about who you are dealing with at the MP level? Well, I think two things: the fact that the Liberal government uh, was the government in power uh, when uh, over the last four years, uh, they will they remain the government, and as such, uh, the uh, uh, right now the Prime Minister and his team have to go through a process of selecting uh, cabinet ministers. Um, is there some potential for that in London? Certainly up to the Prime Minister to make that determination. That never hurts us if that's the case, but, uh, but we've had effective, uh, uh, an effective working relationship uh, with the, with the uh, federal government uh, because of the work of the local area MPs, and that's been helpful for us. 
So it isn't same as same because the other consideration is it's likely not going to go a full four years. It'll be something less than that if uh, minority governments hold to form. Could it be two, three years? I suspect in that range. Um, And then they get to do it all over again. But I would say right now, I won't say it's status quo. We have to know who the who the ministers are. But uh, we've had, and I have certainly had, uh, good, strong working relationships with the federal ministers that uh, have been in place. And I'm eagerly uh, looking to see what that look that uh, looks like as well. London Mayor Ed Holder with us. Mayor Holder, one of the words that does come out now is affordability. Affordability of housing. Affordability of things like transit. Affordability is becoming tough for a lot of people, especially in this area. But I think we could stretch that pretty much any anywhere in this country. When you look at that standpoint in London, what would you love to see that maybe would would help from the federal government when it comes to that affordability word? We've always made it clear that no municipality can do it alone. I've made that statement uh, time and again. We need uh, help from both the federal and provincial governments in areas that matter. We've seen that in terms of affordable housing. We've seen that in terms of uh, supporting London's most vulnerable. We've seen that in our focus on transit, and we see that with our focus on jobs as well. So when we look at those considerations as the as the primary role of uh, of the city to uh, to get support from other levels of government that's the message that we have uh, certainly taken to the other levels of government they've been pretty responsive but i think now that we've settled uh, this election we're going to uh, speak with them with renewed vigor and uh, and uh, again the advantage of knowing the players who are local they they certainly know our story well they know the needs of london well that's those are things we don't have to repeat, but I think that what we do have to repeat is that the urgency is now. We see the challenges uh, in London from uh, our downtown through to uh, Old East Village and beyond where we have to deal with London's most vulnerable, and that's and those are support systems where we need both federal and provincial help. Does it help that we have representation that is liberal, that is conservative, that is from the New Democrats here, and it is a minority government? Does it give more ears and more voices? Well, I think it certainly makes the uh, ma- makes the volume louder. Uh, my sense is that uh, is that opposition uh, parties will have a stronger uh, role to play uh, with the current government. Uh, having said it, I will also tell you that uh, that we've had a pretty good dialogue, in fact, an excellent dialogue through our local members of the government, and we expect that will continue, uh, as we will expect that we will have those discussions with the Conservative member in Elgin, Middlesex, London, and the new member in London, Fanshawe. Mayor Holder, thank you so much for your time today, and I'm sure we'll talk in the future. Have a great Tuesday. I I know we will. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate this. That is London Mayor Ed Holder. So it does help to see familiar faces. It helps when you're talking transit to continue the conversations that have come up. So that's a real positive out of this. And one of the things that we keep hearing again and again is that people are voting for those in their riding. That becomes number one. We did hear from Barbara, and Barbara said she just couldn't vote for Andrew Shear. And yeah, you, we do get that. But at the same time, you look locally. How is this going to impact me on a day-to-day basis? And I think we're pretty lucky in this area, in London and in St. Thomas, to have a couple of people who have experience outside of the municipal level. I think that 
that makes a lot. And not just experience, but connections outside the municipal level. That is, that's absolutely massive because you do need to make those connections. You do need to be able to say, okay, we've remember, do you remember the time we sat down and we worked on this? All right, we've got to get this together. And you're in. And I really think that that is a positive. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3. 